And so we compare our situation to people like that because we think, we think they got it going on. God has blessed them. Why didn't he bless me? This is not fair. Something very profound. A key in the scriptures that has sustained me, that has helped me. This is your moment. Experience God's love and God's peace with us. See what God is doing for your neighbors at Crosspoint. Be blessed with today's broadcast. Alexis, scooch on up here just a moment and tell us, tell us what's happened. I know it's been a few weeks now, but, but tell us what's happened with you and, and how you feel like the Lord's leading you. And I've always felt the need to rededicate my life and do it for real this time, not just being a kid, doing it more as an adult and showing God that, you know, I am His and I'll do His will. Um, and then the other day, I just, well, it was when I, the week before I rededicated my life, I just felt God, I felt it in my stomach that He was just telling me to, it is time. You can look around the world and know time's near and that's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, thank you, God. And, you know, this family has, they have uh, worked. You don't see a lot of what they do. She's kind of hidden in the nursery, or she's orchestrating nursery for us. And, you know, uh, Dylan has been out here in the heat of the day, hammering up walls with me and Josh and the rest of the, everybody. And uh, they've really been just an incredible volunteers for this church. And again, there's a lot of people that do a lot of stuff around here that you have no idea what they've done or how they've taken time off of their schedule or maybe their Saturday and, and, and given up a lot. And this is this couple and we just love them. Um, I know she had recently called me and talked to me about how the Lord had been laying some things on her heart and, and she just inspired me and I love to get inspired when people have been in the presence of God and I appreciate that. So today, Alexis, by your confession of faith, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. We baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Glory. Kaylee, tell us your experience. What's going on with you, girl? Um, I'm the same as Alexis. I was baptized and saved a long time ago. And I seen her in Walmart but a couple days ago. She said she had been baptized, so I was like, well... I need to get in there too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, again, another kind of secret uh, volunteer family, and I'm just so grateful Isaac calls me and he has to kick me in the seat of the pants sometime. Come on, let's get working, let's work. When can I work? I'm gonna do some work. And uh, some of the reason it's a little cooler in here today than it was last week is Isaac's been over there putting uh, foam insulation in these walls over there. So a lot of this air is not leaking over there, so it feels a little better today. And uh, we just love this family. And, and you know, she has uh, been just an asset. I don't want to say asset. I sound like in business. Just been such a contribution in this place. Just that smiling face. And we just appreciate your family and what you guys do here. And we love you. So, Kaylee, by your profession of faith, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Come up here and tell us your name. Tabitha Dukes. Tabitha, do you mind telling us your story? Well, I grew up in church, and this is no surprise that um, I fell off like a lot of people do. I'm human. I make mistakes. Um, I rededicated my life recently, and um, I am clean and sober. <laughs> and I know that I couldn't have done it without God. There's no way. And after today, new beginnings. Amen. Amen. We're so proud of you. So, Tabitha, by your confession of faith, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. All right. We baptize you today in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, tell us your name. Mattis McDonald. Can you tell us your story? Yeah, so... Uh, here recently, me and my mom have been struggling, and um, I've just been getting closer with God here lately, and he's been helping me through a lot, and 
Um, I just thought it'd be best, and he's been talking to me to get baptized. Praise the Lord. You know, even I know you probably heard that some people have been baptized, but sometimes when you go through things, and I know some of you heard me say, you kind of need to draw a line in the sand and say, this is that day, this is that moment, this is when it stops. Devil, this is the day you lose. Amen? So Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. We baptize you today in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The title of my message today is called, It's Not Fair. I'm reading out of Luke chapter 8, verse 41. The Bible says, There came a man named Jairus. who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he, went to his, to, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and, and she was dying. And as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. Your translation may say they thronged around him to give you an indication of of what this means. It's only used five times in the New Testament. The other four times it is used in some form of a parable to uh, describe and illustrate what a weed does to a seed, how a weed grows up and chokes a seed. This, this, this word means to choke, not necessarily to physically grab someone around the neck and choke them. This word means that that they've come around him so much that it's preventing him from being able to fully move forward. If you can imagine a ketchup bottle, uh, if they put ketchup in a pickle jar and you poured it out, well, it just, it would splot. But if you put ketchup, as they do, in a, in a, in a bottle that kind of bottlenecks up, it, it throngs around. It, 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 it chokes the ketchup and prevents it from spilling out. So that's kind of this word. That's to give you an idea of what's taking place here. Jesus is walking in this crowd, and they're pressed all around him. They're so tight together. They're pressed around. It says, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. My God. And though she had spent all her living on physician, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Hallelujah. Sometimes all you need is the word, ain't it? Sometimes you just need the word to shout. Immediately the blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Let it have power to us today. Amen. This passage covers two stories. There's, there's a story of this little girl. She's 12 years old. Just coming into womanhood, you and I wouldn't consider 12 years old womanhood, but in those days, uh, womanhood started at the cycle. It started around 12 years old, and, and that's what's taking place here. And a woman was considered, uh, at, uh, uh, until she was married, she was under the headship of her father. And her father in those days, even at 12 years old, would assign 
whom she would marry. And once she was married, her husband would be her head. Her husband would be the authority over And even in some cases, to the extreme, almost as property. I was going to say, boy, men, don't y'all wish it was like, but I thought, no, I'm not that brave. <clears throat> I better not say that. Some of y'all would agree, and you'd get elbowed real hard. So, this is a girl that is under the headship at this point of her father. But for 12 years, or excuse me, she's 12 years old, and she is on the verge of dying. This other woman who scholars believe is most likely a widow woman. The Bible tells us that she spent all she had on physicians. So we can take a lot out of this from cultural context, and we, we can determine that if she had any money at all, if she was spending her own money, she was not under the headship of her father. If she was spending money, she was not under the headship of a husband. Most likely, she was a widow. If she had money to spend on a physician, that would speak to her economic class. If she had money to spend on physicians, as the Scripture tells us, this tells us that she was at the upper, the elite economical echelon in her society. If you remember your history books, there was different class types, and she was in the upper class type. This woman had money. She had the kind of money to afford physicians in those days, she would have had the kind of money that would give her some clout. She would have had a reputation. She would have been known in those days. This woman had money. But she is at this moment in her life where she's been bleeding for 12 years. She's been labeled. She's an outcast. There's no friends. There's, there's no family. When, when, when you have an issue of blood, then, then you have to be quarantined. You have to be set aside. You can't, you can't come around other people. If you read your history books and some of the ancient texts even tell us they, they didn't want a woman during her cycle. I'm not trying to get gross or I'm not trying to be vulgar or, or anything this morning. They would say if a woman touched a tree such as a fruit tree or a fig tree, then the fig tree would die. They didn't want the woman walking through your garden, the garden would die. That's how extreme this was. And so they didn't want you touching, brushing up against you. They did not want you. She was not allowed to touch. She had to be quarantined. That's fine. That's just a few days. Some of you women probably would like for everybody to just leave you alone for about a week or so. Amen? But imagine 12 years. Quarantined for 12 years. And now she's broke. There's nothing left. Jesus is on his way to this little girl's house. We would call her a little girl. They would say she's the beginning of womanhood. But nonetheless, she's a little girl. She's 12 years old. And she's dying. And, and he's on his way to her house. I mean, this is an emergency house call. If they had an ambulance at that time, the lights would be going, the, the horns would be flashing, and they'd be zooming through town. I mean, he is on his way, and Jairus is there, the servants are there, everybody's there. They're moving at a hurried pace. they got to get there. This girl's going to die, and they've got to get there before she dies. Imagine in my mind when I study this, I see these throngs of people around Jesus, and they're all moving quickly, and, and some of them would, would come up and say, hey, wh what is going on? It was Jesus. He's going to Jesus. He's going to heal his daughter. Really? I want to go too. And they're all moving, and it's, and it's just incredible, and they're, everybody's excited, and they're, whoa, I can't wait to see this. And suddenly Jesus stops. I can, Peter's pretty bold. I can see Peter. But Jesus, what's going on? We, we need to go. You got rock in your sandal? Are you heard? You got to end? We'll pack you. We've got to go. Time is of the essence here. And Jesus calmly says, somebody touch me. Now, these disciples are human, just like you and I. I imagine we would, we would look at that comment here and that comment and kind of give a little side eye like, everybody's touching you. Of course somebody's touching you. 
John, go, go get some peanut butter crackers and some orange juice. His sugar's gotten low. He's not thinking right. We, we got to get him there. Come on, we got to go. We don't have time to wait. See, yes, everybody's touching you, Jesus. We get it. I'm sorry. We'll do a better job. We'll, we'll push everybody away. What is it you need? We got to get to Jairus' house. This older woman, and I, don't, I wouldn't say she's an elderly woman, but she's an older woman, certainly not, not 12 years old, but this older woman has snuck through the crowd. She had to sneak through the crowd because if they knew who she was, she wouldn't have been allowed to even get near the crowd. So she sneaks through this crowd undetected, and somehow she manages to touch Jesus somehow, and she's instantly healed. And Jesus stops to interact with this incredible woman of faith. You know, we read there's, there's a couple times with some Gentiles that had faith to believe in Jesus. He always stopped with those who had incredible faith. He wanted to talk to them. He wanted to chit-chat with them just a little bit. And here's this moment. He's on the he's in his emergency call, and he's, he stops to talk to this lady. I can imagine if you're, if you're that little girl's daughter, if you're Jarius, you're not trying to be rude. You know, bro, she's been like, everybody knows who she is. She's been like this forever. Can we go? We'll come back. But my daughter, my daughter needs you now. And Jesus is sitting there going, I'm... That's incredible. I'm so proud of you. Look at you. you. You had faith. You believe you've been through so much. That is just great. I'm just, this, I'm just overwhelmed by you. I wish everybody else had faith like this. Jesus! The, the little girl! And he's talking, and he's having this casual conversation with this woman. She's healed. It's, it's great. And, and finally, he, finally, he says, you know what? Just go in peace. Proud of you. Go in wholeness. And somebody, somebody's running through the crowd. Jairus' servant, we don't know. And he's hollering, he's got to get, there's hundreds of people, he's got to get, hey, let me through, let me through. I, I work for Jairus, I need to get through, I, I need to talk to him. There's no sense of going any further. She died a few minutes ago. I mean, he was on his way to this little girl's house. If he hadn't have stopped, who knows? If, if, if this lady, if she hadn't have interrupted the, the service, if she hadn't have stopped, I mean... She's not even supposed to be here. It's illegal. It's against our custom. She's not even supposed to be here. I mean, look at her. Her, her clothes are tattered. She's dirty. She's got tattoos. She's got piercings. We all know who she is. Why is she here? Why did you stop for her? Everybody knows she's an addict. She just got out of jail. Why did you stop for her? My daughter has died. It's not fair. But wait a minute. And I, and I am, I'm, I, I'm sorry on a personal level, I'm sorry this little girl died. I know some of you have had some children die, and, 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 and I had a sibling die right in front of me at an early age, so, so I can appreciate the, 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 the terrible situation that, that has taken place here, and I, and I respect that, but... I mean, what about this lady? Like, for 12 years she has suffered. 12 years she's been in so much pain. She's embarrassed. Ladies, just think about it. Just think about it. Think about your own self right now. 12 years every day. Can you imagine how weak this woman would be? Can you imagine how pale and fragile this woman would be? This woman 
was sick somewhere around the time when this little girl was born. We think about it. When, when they were celebrating their one-year birthday and this little girl was starting to learn how to walk and it was just a glorious thing. This woman done been through two or three doctors. Money's already running light at that point. The time this girl is, is 10 years old and this woman is a, this woman's out of money and, and there's nobody because nobody can help her. Nobody can come around here. Nobody's allowed to touch her for 12 years. She's been in misery, isolated, abandoned. She's lonely. She hasn't felt the hug of a child in 12 years. She hasn't felt the love and embrace of a husband in 12 years. She hasn't had a kiss from her mama in 12 years. And it's not fair. When I was in Honduras, there was 15, 20 of us, I think. I can't remember exactly. It's been several years ago. But at nighttime, we was in this, it was a big house, but it slept. You know, you could sleep 20, 30 people, and it was big and had a big piece of property. And, but at nighttime, we would take turns, and we would cook, and we'd fellowship and talk about the day, and, and just, we would just have a good old time. You know, we'd just have, fill our bellies up, and we'd get up in the morning again. We would take turns, and man, we'd eat bacon and eggs and, and biscuits and gravy and get ready to go out on our day, and we, we got ready to leave, and, and our teams would split up, and, and one team would go with these big, big tubs. And the tubs had cooked rice in it. And out back, some of the local ladies, there was a fire rock. I'm not sure what you call it, but you can imagine. There was a fire rock, and they were making, we would call it homemade, they just call it life, uh, tortillas out there little soft tortillas, they're making them out back in the yard on a rock with a fire. They're making them. And, and they load all these up, and they load these tubs of rice up, and we're driving up this mountain every day, same time. We're there for two weeks. I think it was two weeks. We're there for two weeks, but this, they do this every day, every year. We go up to the mountain, the villagers come out, and these little kids come out, and moms and dads come out, and, 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 and they've got these little makeshift cups, and you'd just be surprised at how inventive people are when they need to hold something. And some of them, all they had was their hand. I saw, I'll never forget, I saw one little boy, probably six or seven-year-old, he was wearing a onesie as a T-shirt. It wasn't just something fun for him. I saw him the next day. Most everybody that we got to know, they had the same clothes on every day. And, and while I stood on that mountain feeding people with my belly full of bacon and eggs and biscuits and gravy and potatoes, they were so grateful to get a cup of rice and a tortilla. And, and sometimes they would get it twice a day if they made the second run, if they got to the top of the hill for the second run. And sometimes that was it. It was one time and sometimes none. And that's not fair. It's not fair that I got to eat like a king and I fed people the cheapest, most sustainable food that the mission could afford, that is not fair. What do you do when what you're going through isn't fair? And why does God allow the unfair? Does he not care? That's the question so many people ask. Does God not care about me when you're a kid, and Becky gets the blue crayon. You want the blue crayon. You raise your hand, you're mad, you tell the teacher, I wanted the blue crayon. That's not fair. When your brother comes home, and he's been out with mom, and he's got a blizzard, and he walks in the door, nobody else got a blizzard. And that's not fair. But it's no different as adults. We all go through stuff that is so unfair. 
We see people, and it just seems like they've got it all together. And it just it don't seem right. It's not fair. We compare our lives to those people online, and we think, my goodness, I know those people. Man, they have got it going on. That's not fair. We often don't take into account, like one particular gentleman that I knew in the past, haven't talked to him in years and years and years, but I see him from time to time, take a picture of his back porch. It, just neat, persnickety, really cool, really neat. And you're like, man, I would love to just sit on that back porch. He's always got some little meal there. And I mean, every pea is in line. You know, that, that piece of meat, you know, I mean, it's perfect. And you think, man, I want to be this guy. But I know him. And he's never been married and he ha doesn't have a girlfriend, and he's alone. And so we compare our situation to people like that because we think, we think they got it going on. God has blessed them. Why didn't he bless me? This is not fair. But God has shown me something years ago. In his holy ancient scriptures that have been written by his divine voice, something very profound, a key in the Scriptures that has sustained me, that has helped me. And I think it'll help you. It won't fix your problem, but I think it will help you understand why you're going through what you're going through. Sometimes information just gives us peace in our spirit. Are you ready? Anybody want to hear it? God is not fair. Somebody get him off the stage. That sounds heretical, doesn't it? What do you mean God's not fair? The Bible never tells us that God is fair. The Bible never tells us that God is equitable. What you're going through, what has happened to you, or what is about to happen to you is not fair. Trust me, I can tell you from experience my whole adult life that God is not fair. I never get, my wife's heard me say this several times. Uh, you know, years ago we were at a church and, and I'd, I'd, been, I'd suffered so much with my back. And at that time, I think I was still walking with a cane. I was just miserable. And, and there was a guy that we know, he's a business owner in Madisonville. And he had kind of hurt his back a little bit. He couldn't even hardly move. This had gone on for all of maybe three months. He goes to an altar. Boom, the Lord touches him. He's fine. Can I just confess? I remember thinking in my mind, Keith, I was going, that's not fair. You know how many times I've been to an altar? How's that fair? Three mean three months. That's nothing. Try 20 years. It's not fair. You know, when I was in my 20s, I ran road races. My late 20s, I was running road races. Man, I was in the best shape of my life. Suddenly, out of the blue, when I was 30 years old, I was restricted to a hospital bed downstairs in my kitchen because I couldn't make it upstairs with an IV shunt above my heart to keep me alive. That's not fair. So when I've been through these things and things continue to repeat themselves, I don't get upset. Well, I get a little frustrated. We're human. We're all going to get frustrated. But I don't lose it. And I'll tell you why. Because I know my Bible never promised me that God would be fair. The laws of God are fair. They may have different results. But the laws of God are equitable. The laws of God are fair. The Bible is very clear in the Old Testament historical characters that God is not fair. The Bible is very clear in Jesus' New Testament parables and his teaching. I'm not fair. The Bible says this. 
The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. James 2, 10 says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has been guilty of all of it. God is righteous. God is loving, but God is not fair. And it is not fair that Jesus had to go to a cross because I'm a sinner. Man, that's not fair. If you are the only person on this planet, somehow, miraculously, there was never another human but you. You are the only one. You're still a wretched sinner. And Jesus still goes to the cross. He's brutally beaten. He's nailed to a cross as a sacrifice for your sins so you don't have to spend eternity in punishment. That's not fair to him. But he never promised to be fair. You know, I've said before, there's just some scriptures that I don't like. And Matthew 5.45 is one of those scriptures. I don't talk about it a lot because I don't like it. Because most preachers, and I've done it in the past, most preachers will only preach half of this message, half of this scripture, I should say. <laughs> he makes his son, S-U-N, he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Now, that's not fair. Listen, if, if, if you're a good person, and you know, you, I mean, you just know in your heart, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little better than, I'm a pretty good person. He'll straighten up one of these days. I'm, I'm pretty good. Here, if you plant a seed in the ground, God will send the sun God will send the rain, and you will get a harvest. Isn't that great? If you're the most rotten, horrible person who would never step foot in a church, who gets online and mocks Christians, and you put a seed in the ground, God will send his son, God will send his rain, and you'll get a harvest. And that is not fair. How many times have you looked at some business owners and they're just wretched and you know they're evil and doing horrible things, and, and, but they're wealthy and, and, you know, we're sitting here burning up on a Sunday. They're out on a yacht somewhere living it up. That's not fair. Jesus is at a crossroad here of human need. A 12-year-old girl is dead. And there's a woman that's been dying for 12 years. One publicly asked Jesus for a healing. And one, Jesus had to ask who helped themselves to a healing. You see the difference? Who touched me, he asked. Everybody in this crowd had touched him at some point. Everybody had brushed up against him at some point. But Jesus said, I'm not talking about these people who just show up. I'm not talking about these people who look holy, who speak Christianese. I'm talking about the one who came with expectation of something to change in their life. Who touched me? I'm looking for the one who, in spite of the tremendous, horrific, unfair circumstances, they chose to have the faith and said, I will walk in the direction of Jesus Christ. They will receive my just reward. Somebody say amen. My God. Hey. Woo. Glory. God is omnipresent. When we talk about, ooh, the Spirit of the Lord is here, well, yeah. He's in everything. He's everywhere. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Can a man hide himself in the hiding places so I don't see him, declares the Lord. Do I not feel the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? I'm everywhere. Genesis 28, 16 says, And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord has been in this place, and I didn't know it. How many times 
maybe not been the best attitude and the best move and come to church and like, oh, I got to come and I got to come. I'm going to fulfill my Christianly obligation and I'm going to show up. Don't fix that air. I ain't coming back again, but I'll come back when it's cool. Man, I got heat. I'm going to come. And you're sitting there and you're sitting there and you're sitting there. And you're like, these young people coming up to an altar. Come on. What is this about? Can we just get on with it? Jacob said, oh, man. God was in here, and I missed it. I felt that. Jacob said, the Spirit of the Lord came right over here. Actually, started out there somewhere. And something like, oh, I got to get out of here. I just want to get up there. And the Spirit of the Lord that everybody is sitting in right now, you're sitting in it. But somebody made a move. Somebody did something different. Somebody reached out and touched him. I don't care how holy and Christian and faithful you are, there's times when you just ain't in the mood, right? And when, you, when you're in that way, if you're not careful, Jacob was asleep and the Lord was everywhere. And he's like, ah, missed it. Missed it. And you go home and, and things are falling apart and, and the same thing keeps happening. You've lost your joy and you've lost your peace and you can't figure out why. Maybe it's because you missed it. He's here. I'd baptize, if we could baptize all day long, I'd baptize all day long. I don't get in the pool often. I do that on purpose. Number one, if we do it during worship, I really don't want to be wet while I'm preaching. Number two, and most importantly, is I just think it's so important that as disciples that we baptize. Because I promise you, if I get to heaven and the Lord says, hey, did you teach those people to witness and to baptize? Or did you say, hey, I'll handle it. I'll do it. Just, just leave it all up to me. Y'all just come in, listen, look, be cute, but I'm going to win everybody to the Lord, and I'm going to baptize all of them. Mm -mm, I'm not answering that question. Go ye, go you, therefore, and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. My God. Everybody in this crowd was in his presence. But not everybody was, was touching him. Not everybody who comes in here is going to receive the joy that somebody got. Not everybody that comes in here is going to receive the, the healing. Why'd you get healed? Why? When I looked at my friend and, and I saw him and, 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 I, and I saw he, in front of my eyes he was healed and the fruit bared for the next few weeks. And even to this day, that was years ago. I saw it with my own eyes. He reached out and touched Jesus, and I couldn't figure it out. We go to IDK sometimes. Right next door here, IDK. Well, I'm hungry now. I shouldn't have said it. I haven't eaten in four days, so. IDK. Great buffet. When I go to IDK, I fill up my plates. Yeah, I said Plural. If I'm going through the line, there ain't no sense in making a second run. I'm going to start with two plates. I don't mind to pile it up, but I'm just going to get the second one because I'm, I'm business, buddy, when it comes to my plates at IDK. I would embarrass you. Most of you would go out to eat with me one time. You may not go back again because when I go for dessert, I don't get that little pretty little plate. I get the dinner plate. I make my own dessert buffet. And once I've been through all my desserts and I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm content and I'm very comfortable, then I go get one more piece of pecan pie. And I'm miserable. And I know when I'm miserable and I wish I had it, I wish we hadn't even came here. And I know it's done. We're done. But then Hannah goes to the same buffet that I go to. Same one. Gets the same plate that I get. 
and we sit down, and the table kind of leans this way when I sit down. And she sits down, and she's got a plate, and she's got a little spoonful of taters, got a, just a lick of macaroni cheese on there, got a biscuit. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? We both went to the same buffet. And I pigged out at the buffet, and I got all that the buffet had to offer old Mike, and I left out of there absolutely full, and all she chose to get was a little bitty taste of what was on the buffet. I wonder this morning, when you come to the house of God, are you expecting to be filled with all that God has for you, or are you just content with the taste? Huh? Woo! I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of coming to the house of God and leaving still hungry. Oh, I want to be filled. Fill me up, God. I want to be so full that my stomach's miserable. It's stretching out. I'm flabby for three days. That's how full I want to get. I want to be so full that when somebody calls me to complain, somebody calls and says I'm hurting, somebody calls I'm sick, somebody's dying, just the overflow of the feeling goes through the phone and touches them, and the Spirit of God delivers them right there on the spot. That's what I'm talking about. That's scriptural. <laughs> Matthew 5, 6. Now, here's one I do love. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for his name's sake, they will be filled. Guess what God won't do? God will not take you to the buffet in the Spirit and force you to eat. Oh, but when you're hungry, when I come in and I'm hungry, after a couple trips, they take the rib bow and they just hide it in the back. We're out of ribs. When you're hungry for the Spirit, they don't run out. They don't hide it. When you're hungry for the Spirit, God will fill you up and change your life. That's what God's looking for. Somebody gets in that baptism pool, and they proclaim out of their mouth, I'm in here because God has shown me we are in the last days, and I ain't got time to fool around. I'm making a commitment. We're in the last days. Mm-hmm. God's looking for hungry people, looking for people who are, who are thirsting for, for his righteousness. God is looking for his goodness to give away his goodness, his favor. God is looking to fill those who will pursue Jesus, who will go after Jesus and glorify his name as a way of life, not a Sunday morning event, a way of life. Patty has prayed for me multiple times for my back. Times when she was in so much pain she couldn't hardly turn her neck. That's not fair. That God would use her and anoint her to bless somebody, to pray for somebody, to pray the demonic off of your life, to lift, lift up and edify this church. And meanwhile, she is walking through a state of pain. That's not fair. She doesn't claim that. She doesn't speak that. But Patty, I've known her for years. Patty does not pursue fair. She's hungry to be filled and to be used. I wonder this morning, are you like a pitcher? You just want to be filled, not so you can just, just sit there and look pretty, but so you can be poured out? What's Paul said? He said, I'm like a drink offering. I've been, Jesus has poured me, he's filled me up, and every time I get full, he just pours me out. He fills me and he pours me out. He fills me and he pours me out. Twelve years this woman hadn't touched anybody. She has went to every source available, every doctor, every religious person, everything that was even a hint. You know, probably all the people, you know, well, you need to try bark of rutaberry. I don't know if that's a name. You know, everybody's got something. Yeah, but you know, my aunt's second cousin, you know, went out and 
dug a bark off a tree and rubbed it against her foot and her head was healed. I don't know. You know, she's trying everything. But then when she ran out of resources, broke. Elite woman. Got a great name. Now she's walking shame. Destitute. She reaches for Jesus. Has God allowed you to live unfairly? To move you from being in his presence and calling it church to touching Jesus and experiencing a true, authentic relationship with him? There's a difference. She was known as the lady with the issue of blood. She had a label. Her label was unclean. She had to profess that out of her mouth. By law, she had to. That was her label. That's who she was. And she accepted for 12 years, this is who I am. This is my lot in life. But she got to this point when Jesus come along and she said, I'm just, I'm making this decision that I'm done with this. I don't care what everybody calls me. I am done with this. I am changing. I'm going after Jesus. I'm going to touch Jesus and get whatever it is he has to offer me. I'm tired of living in the shadows. What would happen if she stayed in her place? What would happen if if she saw the crowd go by and she stayed back here like a good little girl, like she was supposed to do? What would have happened? Jesus, Lord, I just pray that, name of Jesus, that you heal me today. And you walk out, nothing's changed in your life. But notice the difference of sitting back here and praying. We're supposed to pray. I hope some of you are praying for this service while we're talking right now. But, but she said, I'm, I'm not staying back here. I might have to be a little discreet. You know, they can't know who I am. I might have to hide a little bit. Well, who's this little old woman? Well, let her come in, y'all. Don't hurt the... And she sneaks in, and somehow she makes a change in her life, and her mentality. She, she came to herself, as the Scriptures tells us. And most of us in here keep waiting for a touch from Jesus, and Jesus is waiting for a touch from you because he's in the place. She gave and she gave until there was nothing else left to give. And it, it just wasn't fair. But God, God will take your unfairness. And he'll use that unfairness to captivate a community. He'll use that unfairness to win the lost, the hurting, the sick. Those hurt by church, those hurt by God, those with doubts, wavering faith, he will use your unfairness to reach all those people who said they would never come to church again. You know, most of you don't know, of course his family does, but most of you don't know Michael's story. Michael, our our Monday night life recovery uh, minister, and most of you don't know the whole story there, and I would never divulge it except for the parts that he makes public. But Michael was pastoring a church many years ago, and some things happened to him. I mean, it wasn't fair. There's some things that came against him that I know, maybe his. Uh, Sisters know, and Dad, I don't know if you know or not, but there's some things that took place in that church from from even a corporate level that came against him. Meanwhile, he had stuff going on in his life, and everything was coming against him, and he's trying to preach the gospel, and that's not fair. And it weighed him and weighed him and weighed him until finally he drifted from God. Then he really drifted. And for years, he lived this unfair life. 
and he's, he's been through hell. Some of y'all he met along the way. And God has now turned it all around. And God is taking that unfairness and he's filling up this sanctuary on a Monday night. We're baptizing people almost every Monday night. That's what God does to your unfairness. He didn't promise you he'd be fair. He promised you he'd be just. God is a just God. He justifies us. God is not concerned with your fairness. It could be that very unfairness that you're going through that God is working out to catch somebody, somebody's. You got to get out of this mentality. Especially, listen, in the times that we live in, for those of you who get online and you compare yourselves, you young people that are in here, most especially, you cannot compare your life, yourself, your situation to somebody else online. I promise it's a lie. If you're looking for fairness, it'll always be unfair because that's what Satan wants you to focus on is how everything's unfair to me. And what God's trying to get you to focus on is I'm a just God. I justify these things. Because the difference is when, when, when the rotten person plants that seed and they get a harvest, and even recently when we hear about famous people, wealthy people, who take their own life. It may seem fair, but they're living in torment. You don't know the whole story. It just looks like everything is working out for them. You don't know the story. But the righteous person who's clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that's the only way we're righteous. That person plants the seed. And eventually, if you don't quit, if you don't give up, if you trust a just God, even in your unfairness, God will bring out a harvest in your life, and you will be shocked and amazed. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap in here. Thanks for watching today's broadcast. If you were encouraged today or made a decision for Christ, let us know by visiting our website. Somebody gets in that baptism pool and they proclaim out of their mouth, I'm in here because God has shown me we are in the last days and I ain't got time to fool around. I'm making a commitment. We're in the last days. Mm-hmm. God's looking for hungry people, looking for people who are, who are thirsting for, for His righteousness. God is looking for His goodness to give away His goodness, His favor.